Hannah. Hi, I'm Rochelle. And welcome to Box Box F1 Pod. Today, we are celebrating our second Grand Prix in Austria by revisiting the story of one of the greatest Austrian drivers in Formula One history, Niki Lauda. Woo! But uh, before we kick things off, it's time for our digital roundup. So as we mentioned a few weeks ago, Singapore was canceled. And now in its place is Turkey. Turkey is back on October 3rd. All I know is... Go ahead. (laughs) No, I was just going to say all I know is that Lewis won there, I think, the last time. But that doesn't mean anything. Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> um, I was going to say all I know is that they um, canceled and then they uncanceled. Yes. I don't know. Because they, they, Turkey originally canceled due to the quarantine res- restrictions. Like, well, no, I did think Turkey they... cancel or did F1 cancel because there wasn't en- enough time between Grand Prix for them to... Well, yeah, there was like a 14-day quarantine or something. But right, so regardless. it's the, it's it's F1's fault. It's not the country's fault, right? Like Turkey knows the schedule too. <laughs> Basically, like, everyone's like, stupid. Right, like everyone knows. You know, there's not that much time between Grand Prix. Like, obviously, the drivers have to get there. Like, you know, at least like three to four days before the race, and um, everyone knows there's like usually like a weekend apart. So, but aren't we in? Sochi? I think she. On September 27th? Yep. So, do they not have to quarantine between Russia and Turkey? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I wonder if COVID's over now. Um, maybe it's because the drivers are getting um, vaccinated now. Some of them were posting that they were getting vaccinated. Speaking of COVID restrictions lifting, um, Silverstone is going to be full capacity. Yes. Is it Silverstone? I've been saying Silverstone. We have your favorite British um, uh, commentator back as a guest for Silverstone. And I'm sure he'll be, Dias, in case you guys forgot, he'll be back. And I'm sure he'll be happy to correct our pronunciation. Yes. Can't wait. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So anyways, they opened up to full capacity, which everyone's just been really excited about. Not that I've ever been to a Grand Prix, but I assume it's more fun with more people. <laughs> yeah, you win and it's just silence, just like <laughs> <laughs> that would be depressing. That reminds me, we didn't mention in our last episode that the FIA got super mad that Max was doing um, like skid burns on the track after he won to celebrate, and they were like, um, "Never do you're that." You're not a, a burnout. It's called a burnout. Yeah. He did it. So basically, I think he was like 30 seconds ahead. So when he crossed the finish line, he's like, I have time for a quick burnout. But it was right at the finish line, like where his team was cheering him on. It was weird. Yes. I I, I was confused. I thought he was just going to get out there. I don't know. His car was broken or what. But he just... Is it fun to do? I don't understand your damage on the track and your tires. (laughs) It made squiggly lines. Beautiful. I mean, if he's not gonna write something, like at least make it like. <laughs> why didn't so- Why didn't it say thank you? Yeah. <laughs> or woohoo! Do something interesting. Or a heart. Yeah. yeah. A smiley face. <laughs> no. Yeah. He just made a squiggly line, which to his in his defense, 
that's very feasible to do in the short amount of time he had before the FIA found him. They're making a fair point that it's a very dangerous yeah. spot. Yeah. No one else, uh, people are going to like bump right into him. But he was 30 seconds ahead. He was being spontaneous in the moment and he was clearly so happy. Like, I know. Like, but, you know, um, I mean, the f- formula, which is what it's called formula because of all the rules, fun doesn't really fit into that equation. You can't have rules and regulations and fun. Right. Well, that's why we invented this podcast to inject yes, we, fun. <laughs> we put the fun in Formula One. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's a great love motto. I'm yeah, we, that's a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. But I was going to say that Michael Massey just seems to like be constantly like processing disappointment after disappointment. Yeah. Look, it's I an mean, unhappy life. He's like, to me, the equivalent of a principal at a middle school. where it's just like stupid bureaucratic rules not that everyone else is like a teenager but you know it's just like enforcing rules that people don't really give a shit about but it's also like if the teacher is banded with the students against the (laughs) prison yeah his life sucks to be clear (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so also we thought it would be good to clarify because we didn't know but so we have two grand prix in austria in a row last week was the styrian grand prix named after the county the track is in this week is the austrian grand prix named for the country the track is in yeah um why name the same exact track two different things rather than like austrian grand prix number one and austrian grand prix number two for the longest time i thought styrian grand prix was a typo and that they were in syria well that would be bleak (laughs) (laughs) like that would not be good I don't really know if the local community would have any part in that. (laughs) No, probably not. To be fair, logic should have overridden that confusion. I just didn't process that there were two Austrian Grand Prix named different things. Every Grand Prix on the schedule has to have a different name. Oh. Yeah. Even though technically Austria 1 and Austria 2 are (laughs) different names. (laughs) (laughs) like be more specific yes in other news bwt which is the big sponsor for um aston martin and formerly uh racing point and if you all remember racing point was bubblegum pink that was their livery color and then lawrence stroll like bought out aston martin rebranded racing point and also changed their livery color this year to british racing green which i find beautiful and classy so bwt is begging lawrence stroll to make aston martin pink sorry i just remembered the when their release party or whatever and otmar had to show up and he was like i had to go to the store and buy all this pink stuff like the entire party which they showed on drive to survive everything is bubblegum pink from the carpet to the walls to everyone's attire (laughs) i mean it's a lot and i just want to say it's the bwt ceo 
Imagine being the CEO of a giant water treatment company, setting up a meeting with Lawrence Stroll and getting on his calendar. And your opening line is, can you make Aston Martin pink? He had great arguments. He said it was more noticeable, so it was better for marketing. But I just like to say that just because we notice you doesn't mean we want to use Ex- you. Okay, exactly. And just for context, BWT is an Austrian water treatment company. And what their acronym stands for is Best Water Technology. Or how it's are like, they at treating water? Are they good at it? I mean, if you go to their website... You just think, wow, they must be the best. But I don't know. I've never seen them outside of F1, which I guess to their point, I only know them from F1. But I'm also like, I literally don't know any other water treatment company. (laughs) So it worked if you were to name a water treatment company. But I'm like, that's not why I'm going to buy it. Like, but I guess are they in my you. area? Is it is it individual <laughs> like, basis? Isn't this like who is this aimed at? Who buys water treatment stuff? I assume like this governments. Is, yeah. <laughs> Why <laughs> do they need the F one fans to know them? <laughs> I don't. This this isn't a consumer good. <laughs> no, I have no idea. But basically, Lawrence, I think in a nice way, said no. I read the interview like that BWT, the CEO, did with like one of the autosport covered uh, reporters. And maybe this was lost in translation, but BWT said, Aston Martin boss Lawrence Stroll understands that my heart is bleeding. If the Aston Martin were pink, Cognizant would also have more fun because the recognition value would be much higher. Does he bleed pink? Yes. My heart is bleeding bubblegum pink. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't know what uh, he's talking about, but they're being super dramatic, and Lawrence basically has to... He has to slowly put down a water company. <laughs> I feel like Lawrence can handle this. He took fashion to Canada. He can <laughs> handle a small water company. <laughs> I think... Okay, this is my resolution, if Lawrence is looking for one. They will have a pink livery should there ever be a Grand Prix on a Wednesday. The BWT CEO took We Wear Pink on Wednesdays (laughs) to a whole nother level. Yes, he did. He is the Regina George of F1. (laughs) The last thing I wanted to say, so we became famous on Reddit again, but even more. Our meme about the curved cap Max versus flat brim Max, people are losing their minds over. And um, so yeah, check that out. But also on Reddit, there is a plot to have everyone vote for Kimmy for driver of the day this Sunday. They've taken (laughs) to like doing that interview in the car. So the interviewer like radios in. Um, to what tell oh. the person that they're driver of the day. So there was a funny video a few weeks ago where Seb- when Sebastian Vettel was was driver of the day, and the interviewing lady like call- phoned him on the radio, and she's like, "Congrats, Seb, you're driver of the day." And he's like, "How'd you get my number?" <laughs> oh, that's what they were saying. Yeah, I saw that <laughs> yeah. on Reddit, and people were like, "No one will ever beat that." No, that was pretty funny. <laughs> but give Kimmy a shot. Yeah, I think he I think he'd just be like, hey. So I think that's that's it'd be funny. Or or he'd just say, it's a hobby for me. 
<laughs> that is, if you haven't seen it, there is a clip going around. I don't know if it's TikTok or whatever, Instagram, of like a compilation of all the drivers going F1 is like you need it's like creating a diamond in the rough it's so challenging it it, i want to be in the fastest car i need to beat lewis like this is like everything for me and then it just goes to kimmy and he goes this is a hobby for me i don't have to do it if i don't want to so yeah i'm this is the first time i'm gonna vote for driver of the day but i really how yeah, you have to go to, like, f1.com. Oh, oh okay. Easy enough. <laughs> it should be pretty easy. I encourage everybody to do it because I need... I just need this to happen. Yeah, and yeah it'll catch Kimmy off guard. I, I think so, too. Probably because he won't be the driver of the day. And I don't think he peruses Reddit. No. <laughs> he doesn't he even will... play FIFA. I don't right. think he does anything besides well, dote on out. his wife and children exactly he's a family man there's nothing to be ashamed about that but also do 41 year olds hang out on reddit because if they do i mean who do you think is commenting on all our stuff i hope <laughs> not 41 year old men <laughs> okay so for our max meme with the hats people are just like he does look better in a curved cap it's like you're taking time out of your day to just comment he looks better I'm just like, who does that? Um, 41-year-old men, apparently. Um, I do want to read one of the funniest comments we got on that. Yeah. Oh, Mercedes is already complaining about the flexibility of the cap. <laughs> which I thought was funny. So did 586 other people. Wow. Yes. For context, though, our thing got 5.9 thousand upvotes. So, and, and no a lot of downvotes. No downloads, yes. <laughs> we got awards for being helpful, wholesome, <laughs> hugs, and silver. <laughs> Hannah texted me, put that on your LinkedIn, um, which I might. Do you want to talk about Daniel? Oh, and yeah. McLaren released their usual unboxed video that they do every Wednesday after a Grand Prix showing the behind the scenes, which by the way, if anyone from McLaren is listening, um, I would really like it if you caption it because most of it is like drowned out by engine noises and I don't know what anyone is saying. (laughs) But there was a cute moment of Lando and um, Daniel playing darts and I, I wouldn't go so far as to say there was chemistry, but the dart certainly brought them closer together than Australian and English snacks. Were they playing against each other? Yeah. Did you see who won? Um, the first time I think Daniel did, he was the closest, and then they took a step back, and Daniel landed all of them into the pavement, and some engineer was shouting, I just bought those! I just bought those! And Lando got them all in on the He just bought the pavement? No. (laughs) Oh, the darts. (laughs) Just like, what kind of engineer buys concrete? (laughs) <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> the darts. Alrighty, that makes sense. No, darts are extremely valuable, and a lot of people actually, like, have their own personal set, so. Didn't know that. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I think in the future, if they're going to be doing more um, Lando Daniel content, I highly recommend staying away from food or any sort of 
thing that requires communication. Every relationship is unique. Yes. You gotta find what works for you. Yes, exactly. And and they need to be paying attention. They can't just recreate Carlando. They do not have bants. No bants. They each have bants individually. Right. No <laughs> no interbants. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> we need to find a middle ground yes mclaren if you're still listening somehow please find my cover letter i wrote you a brilliant cover letter <laughs> yes should i read it on here one day i'm gonna read it on here one day yes if you uh, our listeners would like rochelle to read her mclaren cover letter please dm us immediately it was a pretty good cover letter to be it fair. was very good not it was good enough to not be ghosted yeah so but mclaren thinks they're hot shit i guess so that concludes our digital roundup and now we will discuss the movie rush which you could stream on netflix and to intro that we're going to give a brief overview of nikki lauda so nikki was born in vienna and I guess he came from like a pretty wealthy family and business, but he really wanted to be an F1 driver, but his family disapproved and he went on anyways, which I just want to say right off the bat, because that's kind of how the movie starts out. Like once you get intro to Nikki, it's just like everyone's been through that shit. No mm-hmm. one has lived up to their family's hopes. No. So good for you, Nikki. Am I am I basically the Nikki of my life if I got an English literature degree and my poor Russian Jewish family almost died because it wasn't a doctor, accountant, lawyer, engineer? Yes, you are the Nikki Thank of you. your life. And I've achieved almost the same amount. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, so even despite him coming from a wealthy family, since they didn't support him, Nikki had to fund himself and he bought his way onto an f1 team by taking out a personal bank loan so technically he was a paid driver yeah but he paid for himself so because he set stipulations right he was like yes i will give you money if this and this and this happens otherwise you're not getting my money okay so that's how he got started it was a rocky start no one really knew him he had to pay for himself but In the end, he became a three-time world driver champion in 1975, 1977, and 1984. And he won his first two championships with Ferrari and the last one with McLaren. And he's the only F1 driver to win championships for both teams. And those are the two most successful constructors in F1 history. So that's like a big deal. And then he retired from F1 in 1985 to become an airline entrepreneur. Fancy. And he married one of the hostesses. Yep, he did. But that was later. That was like his second marriage. Okay, but I think a lot of people who listen to our podcast have watched Drive to Survive. So you might recognize Nikki from a season two episode in Drive to Survive, and just a little history of like his relation to current day teams. In 2013, he became the non-executive chairman of Mercedes, which was around the same time that Toto joined Mercedes. 
And Nikki was very instrumental in signing Hamilton away from McLaren to join Mercedes in 2013. After like watching the movie, it was really obvious how he influenced Mercedes and the way they approach everything. Like you can see a lot of his mindset reflected in how Lewis and Toto conduct themselves. I think. Agree. Yeah, fully agree. Yeah, the Drive to Survive episode about Nikki was, of course, centered on Mercedes. And, like, explicitly, Lewis and Toto talk a lot about how Nikki has influenced them and their team. And, yeah, he, Nikki passed away in 2019. And so the episode showed all of the F1 teams and kind of like the whole F1 community paying tribute to him at the 2019 Monaco Grand Prix. And Toto shared that every single Grand Prix, he and Nikki drove in the same car, just like the two of them, uh, to and from, and shared meals together all the time. And they were, like, actually best friends. So cute. Two little Austrians hanging out. If Toto loves you, then I love you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, well, let's get into Nikki's personality later. I'm okay. I think Toto's a god amongst Toto's men. a good uh, Toto is a god amongst men. That needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> that does. Do you want to intro the characters in Rush? Yeah, sure. So, Nikki Lauda was played by Daniel Bruhl, who was in Marvel. He was a villain in Marvel, and you know who was also in Marvel? Chris Hemsworth. So, this is basically Marvel reimagined. <laughs> so, Nikki Lauda approved Daniel to play him, and they hung out so that he could study his mannerisms, and he, they even attended a Grand Prix together. Nikki, in the movie, was portrayed as very intelligent and hardworking, but has literally zero chill. <laughs> Which apparently, after the real Nikki Lauda saw this movie, he was like, wow, that's me. i have no fun at all (laughs) nope zero fun zero chill and i love it (laughs) um but yeah like his very first scene where james hunt his rival is like who's that they say it's nikki lauda an austrian driver no one knows him but he's been up since 5 a.m doing a track walk (laughs) just like a man who respects a track walk. I mean, those are far few these days. Yeah, no one cares about track walks anymore. If I were walking a track from 5 a.m., I would not be able to compete. I'd be tired from walking a track since 5 a.m. <laughs> but what if you had zero chill? Then I would be, I'm just a machine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and apparently, like, one of the first, like, really impressive scenes in the movie is that Nikki somehow, they don't even explain how or why, but he knew how to re-engineer an entire F1 car right off the bat. <laughs> In a night. <laughs> yeah, so he seemed very unlikable. Like, yeah. extremely unlikable, but... So this was at a different team. I forgot what the team... They don't compete anymore. It was just like British um, Racing Motors. It was actually BRM. B- British Br- Racing Motors. Um, so his teammate there was, I forgot his name again. Regazzoni. 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 <laughs> and Regazzoni, like, tried to become friends with him. And Nikki was like, sorry, gotta go do a track walk, basically. <laughs> Just, like, ignored him. But clearly, Regazzoni was impressed because 
he got offered a, a spot on Ferrari, or he came back to Ferrari, and he demanded that his um, that he would only come back if they also signed Nicky Lauda. Well, the thing is, like when Nicky re-engineered his car at BRM, he I don't know if this really happened in real life, but in the movie he was like. Regazzoni, get in my car and like <laughs> do the same track you just did and I promise you it'll be faster or whatever and it was indeed 2.3 seconds faster and so I think the main thing is like the value that Nikki brought was he was some sort of car genius and could make them go faster in a night in one night yeah That's imagine insane. what he can do in a season <laughs> wonders and he yeah yeah i think you should intro james hunt and chris hemsworth okay before i intro james hunt at the beginning of this episode i said that we put the fun in formula one the real person to put fun in formula one was james hunt who hit the whole movie the theme was sort of like putting the fun in f1 versus putting the formula in f1 that's a great way to put it Thank you. <laughs> to all of Nikki's like rigid like structure and like he was so committed and so serious and so anal and like didn't have time for anything. James Hunt was the polar opposite. And he's yeah. played by Chris Hemsworth. And if any of you have seen Endgame, the uh, the last Marvel movie, Chris Hemsworth's vibes with the pot belly and the drinking all day and all night that was sort of james hunt's vibe he was a british playboy like even had like the long blonde hair and everything yes very 70s and he seemed to be the kind of person that only had to look at a woman and she would immediately have sex with him he apparently in real life and in the movie had a patch on his like driving suit that said sex breakfast of champions (laughs) He was actually known for um, showing up to races hungover, but also, like, having sex, like, that morning. And he threw up before every single race. It sounds like a nice pick-me-up to really get the adrenaline going. <laughs> so, now that you know who we're dealing with, and I think you do, I think that was a, that was a good summary of, of James Hunt, right? Yeah. Had fun, party hard, and what took risks, which was what made him a good driver. He took risks. He was not consistent, but the risks paid off, which is why he was worth investing in ish. Yeah, and like Nikki was very adamant on like I forget the exact percentage, but he's like, I'm only gonna take like a twenty percent risk. Like he's like, I'm a genius, but (laughs) James was like, no, like don't put numbers on this because, you know, every time we get out there, we're like risking our lives and the unknown is like what's exciting about it. So like, don't pretend like it's 20%. Yeah. And Nikki's like, okay. He's like, he literally said, you take the fun out of this. Yeah. And Nikki was like, what's fun about it? I'm only doing it because I'm not good at anything else, which seems... Like, he's clearly could be a great engineer, but he's not. The thing is, he is a really good driver. He has a natural talent for driving and understanding the car. And, like, I honestly think if you had those abilities, like, you have to be an F1 driver. You're right. Yeah. He's not having fun. He's miserable. But this is what (laughs) God gave him. (laughs) He was destined for this. 
He's like yeah. all of the, you know, the like chosen one. He w- he was chosen. None of them enjoy the ride, saving the no. world, saving everyone. But he has no choice. He was born for it and must right. fulfill his destiny. Yes. Yeah, so basically, to sum it up, Nikki Lauda was forced to drive an F1 by his natural talent, but he didn't really enjoy it. Whereas James Hunt was a British playboy who really liked driving an F1 for the women and booze and glamour. There was a lot of booze. He was drinking at press conferences. Another thing about uh, James Hunt is his first wife left him for Richard Burton. Richard Burton apparently has been married five times, twice to Elizabeth Taylor. Yes. And the thing about Richard Burton, I know he was a great actor, yada, yada, yada. I don't, the only thing I know about Richard Burton, like the only time I ever hear about him is people leaving their husbands for him. Like he, what was he like? Susie Miller in the movie said she felt adored. Fair, fair. There you go. Like we said, Rush, I actually, I don't think we've said it, but the movie focuses on the rivalry between Nikki Lauda and James Hunt, specifically 1976, the season, the Formula One season in 1976. It was preceded by Nikki winning the 1975 championship, and he was leading in 1976, but James Hunt was finally in a great car in the McLaren, and he was able to keep up-ish, but as Nikki kept, like, shit-talking him, it's about consistency, not about one race. It all led to the climax, which was the German Grand Prix in 1976. So the 1976 German Grand Prix was at the Nürburgring. That weekend, like before the race, it was raining. And so Nikki called like a little meeting with all the drivers. And he was like, let's cancel this race. Like the conditions are wet. It's already a dangerous track to begin with. Like it's not worth the risk. And James and the majority of other drivers voted to keep racing. So the race moves forward. And um, it wasn't really raining that hard during the race. And it stopped at a certain point. So they all changed to dry tires. And after the pit stop, Nikki spun out, crashed into a wall. His Ferrari burst into flames. And another car crashed into his car, and I think another car came in and collided with them. It was a huge ball of fire, like really horrific looking. And he and like the other drivers did try to like pull him out and eventually did, but of course like it was really hard to. So it took 55 seconds and it was over 800 degrees. He was in there for almost a minute and so he almost died and inhaled hot toxic fumes and suffered several burns like especially on his head like I think like almost his entire ear and like forehead and everything was like burned off and um he fell into a coma and so he was in the hospital for weeks well I don't know how long it took him for him to become conscious but he did eventually wake up from the coma but obviously in like a very like not good state where yeah he couldn't really do anything so he was just like laying in bed And he had the TV on and was watching the Formula One races that were still going on. And those weeks that he was out, he missed two Grand Prix. And James actually won both of them. 
And so he pretty much almost caught up to Nikki in points for the championship for that season. And that really motivated Nikki to recover and get back out there. As he said to James later, he said, you might have put me in there, but you also got me out, which doesn't sound particularly reassuring. Basically, like when he wakes up from the coma and especially after he takes off his bandages, like he's permanently scarred and like burned and he had to get like a skin graft like on his like head. And so it was significant and like, yeah. He came back after six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. The doctors didn't recommend that. No one. The, no one. Shut up. He, like, the, it showed him trying to put a helmet on his severely burned head. So, yeah. After six weeks of recovery and missing two races, Nikki came back for the Italian Grand Prix in Monza. And he has a rocky start. But he gets it together. And ends up finishing in P4, which is incredible given the condition he was in, obviously. He was half burned. Half his skin was off his face and his body. Yeah. Well, so basically after the Italian Grand Prix, Nikki was ahead of James by like three points or something. Very minimal. And so it all came down to this final Grand Prix in Japan. And it was very dark and rainy, which immediately gave everyone PTSD, I think. <laughs> but especially Nikki. <laughs> um, and James, apparently. He took it very personally, oh, yeah. this crash. No, yeah, like, no. Like, there were many people at fault. But yeah, James did take it very personally and felt very guilty. So when he saw the rain this time in Japan, James was like, can we, can we cancel? But then the FIA or whoever was like, no, we already paid all the television stations. We can't. Money. Cash is king. Cash Um, is king. And then James threw up because he was stressed about the rain, but also he just slept with 33 women. So that must have (laughs) taken a toll. So they start racing, even though it's seriously so rainy and dangerous. And also a weird scene in the movie, James... His team drilled a hole in his glass visor, but they did it while his helmet was on his head, so the drill almost went into his eye. He, they were saying, your visor or, like, helmet will fog up from, like, all the condensation if we don't drill this hole to, like, aerate it, basically. And he's like, but water will get in it then. <laughs> and they're like, no, not if you're in the front. You know, if you're behind another car, you get sprayed a lot. But it's like, okay, but there's also rain. Like, I don't get how water would be kept out. There was a spell in Harry Potter where Hermione fixes glasses so the rain wouldn't fog up his glasses when he played Quidditch. And I feel like that would have been useful here. But I think that's what modern um, helmets are kind of like. Like, they don't get very foggy or um, have condensation as much as before. They've, like, created technology around that. Anyways, I think that was just to emphasize how rainy it was. So they're all racing. And then Nikki decides to stop mid-race. And in the movie, it shows that like, what he's thinking about when he makes that decision is, of course, he's, like, terrified of dying, like he almost did before, and he's thinking about his wife. But I also read online that, in reality, like, one of the main reasons is because he was so quick out of recovery, his tear ducts were damaged from the burns he got, 
And so he actually didn't really have the ability to blink. And so his eyes got super watery. And then combined with like obviously the lack of visibility with the rain, he just like legit could not see. I still think it was an incredibly mature thing to do. Yeah. Because for example, James Hunt would have continued racing. Yeah. Well, okay. And so then James get in gets into his pit stop, which yes, is like the longest pit stop I've ever seen. And it must be a little bit of Hollywood because they have a full on conversation during his pit stop. Yeah. And like his race engineers like, you know, take it easy. And he's, and he's like, like, what do you what? mean? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have time for this. <laughs> Get on the radio, sir. You have two way communication. I'm like, there's like, seriously, when that scene was happening, and they're like, taking their time with this conversation, I'm like, there's no way he's gonna finish P3 because of this. <laughs> yeah, that you literally just plopped down in the chassis and was like, patting his shoulder. He's like, so, James, we want what's you back going in one on? piece. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what's going on? Let's not be crazy out there. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? And the race engineer is like, you know, it's kind of dangerous. Like, <laughs> let's get you back and alive. And James is like, I forget what he says, but he's essentially like, fuck it. Let's do it live. That's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was in P6 when he left the pit lane. He does some crazy driving and he crosses the finish line. But there is confusion because I don't know why. But the scoreboard says he's in P5, but everyone's ledgers, because apparently people took notes during races, um, said that he was in P3. And James obviously saw the scoreboard and he came and he started apologizing to the McLaren guy, like, I'm so sorry, I tried hard. And the McLaren guy is like, what do you mean? You won! Woohoo! And that, so he finished in P3 and won the world driver championship by one point over nikki yes and nikki didn't seem too upset about it no because nikki because people were like do you regret like not racing and he's like no like not at all like he would make that same decision (laughs) well nikki kind of threw some shade at the end of the movie because he was like you know james like you need to because james after he won was like partying per usual but really not like driving that much, just partying. And yeah. Nikki's like, you should, um, you should like get some practice in, you know, like you got to go do this again. And James is like, why do I have to go do this again? And Nikki's like, well, to prove to the people you just didn't win because like I got burned and almost <laughs> died. And James is like, are people saying that? Like, no shit. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> That's what happened. It was one point and. Nikki missed two races and was almost dead for the rest of them. (laughs) And he still managed to be only one point behind James. It was like, he made a good point, the voiceover of Nikki made a good point where he was like, James just needed to win Mm -hmm. one championship. That's what he needed. And he was good. He retired two years later. I guess one thing I want to say before we talk about our favorite scenes is that in real life, the rivalry between them wasn't as intense as they showed in the movie. Like, yes, they were rivals on track, but they were actually friends before the burn. Yeah, they were apparently even flatmates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James was, like, the only person he could deal with, like, off the track, like, 
you know, because obviously as drivers, they hang out a lot and like kind of have random downtime. And he was like, I didn't really care for the other drivers, but he would have conversations with James and they hung out off the track. And he said he was like the only person he respected. Which I think means a lot coming from Nikki Lauda. Um, extremely. And also, it was really cute. Nikki Lauda, after he saw this Rush movie, he was like, I really wish James was here to see it because he would have loved it. Oh. Basically, the way the movie ends, and this is also something in real life, like James died when he was 45 of a heart attack. I mean, I'm surprised he lasted that long given the lifestyle he was leading. Yeah, no, like he was living a dangerous life, but um, I mean, I'm not gonna say like it's a happy ending because it's like a death of someone, but it was like kind of heartwarming, like despite their like rivalry and obviously all this trauma that happened, they actually really respected and enjoyed each other's company and like Nikki clearly like missed him when he was gone and like their whole thing was like they both pushed each other to do their best and arguably like they wouldn't have been like who they were or performed how they did without each other that's a lot like you need a rival you need someone to push you yes in that way okay so that wraps up kind of the main plot of the movie but we did want to bring up some of our favorite little scenes first right off the bat when nikki meets marlene his uh first wife they go into Marlene's car on the road and he can tell there's something wrong with it and so he tells her what the problems are and she asks, how do you know what's wrong with my car? He says, my S. Because <laughs> um, um, she, she was like, I just got this car um, service detailed. There's nothing wrong with it. And then obviously the next scene is them broken down in the middle of the road. And then they got picked up by two Italian people who freaked out when they saw Nikki Lauda. And she was so confused. She's like, am I supposed to know who you are? They were actually fangirling over him. They yes, were like, oh they my were, like, God. squealing. <laughs> Nikki's in my car. Nikki's driving my car. And she's just like, okay, this is bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love her. I like truly, I think Too. she's, and they stayed, so they stayed good friends. Yeah. Um, after their divorce, she's pretty good friends with his second wife. Yeah. He left her a house and money and, and like. And Yeah. Okay. Another part that really reminded me of us was the Ferrari scene when Nikki gets into the Ferrari for like the first time. I think you should reenact the whole thing. (laughs) Okay. Um, Nikki gets into the pit box, looks at the Ferrari engineer and goes, it's terrible. It drives like a pig. And the engineer goes, you can't say that, Nikki. (laughs) Nikki goes, why not? And the engineer goes, it is a Ferrari. And Nikki goes, it is a shit box. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And we just like to remind Nikki that Ferrari is iconic. We loved Regazzoni. His first name is Clay. (laughs) (laughs) Clay is his nickname. His real name is Jean-Claude Giuseppe Clay Rigazzoni. (laughs) Um, Also, I know where he's from. Okay, where is he from? He's from next to Gunther. Oh, that little Italian uh, German village? Oh, wait. Sorry. 
okay, he's the equivalent of Gunther in Switzerland. So Gunther is from the German-speaking part of Italy. Right. This man is from the Italian-speaking part of Switzerland. What? His wife's name was Maria Pia. <laughs> Maria Pia. <laughs> Mamma Mia. <laughs> I can't with these people. Hello. Can you talk about why you love Clay, though? He's just chill, you know what I mean? Like, he yeah. tries to befriend Nikki, like, gives him some advice about a girl Nikki was considering asking out. Nikki yeah. just, like, ignored him, and he wasn't bothered. He just, like, kind of switched tactics. And then when Nikki was an asshole, Clay was like, I brought you to this party and introduced you to people, but whatever, you're on your own. But, like, he was still his friend. And then he insisted that he come with him to Ferrari, so even though he was kind of a dick he like could see past that he could see that that was just like a personality trait yeah of his determination rather than him being an actual asshole and instrumentally well actually no it had no effect but he voted (laughs) (laughs) clay voted with nikki to not race in germany which wasn't enough to do anything but huge the sentiment was appreciated yes huge vote of confidence in their friendship um another scene that we really liked was when he woke up from the hospital and the doctor told marlene what his first words were out of his coma tell the priest to fuck off i am still alive (laughs) that was so bad my german accent is terrible (laughs) but i thought that was amusing and i'm not surprised that nikki was not a religious man (laughs) But, I mean, they called the priest in because they seriously thought he was going to die. And so they read him his last rites. Last rites? He's not arrested. Like, huh? the death prayer? Is, are um, there rites for when you die? Yeah. What really? do you mean? Arre- I didn't say Miranda rites. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, this but- is why priests come to your deathbed. No, I know that bit. I just don't understand why it's called the rites. Because... It's what are you get, R- what, what rights do you have? No, it's not R I G H T. Yeah, it is. No, it's R I T E S. I'm a I'm Jewish. <laughs> we don't have last rights. It's the last prayers. I guess that's like your last hope that they get into heaven. Yeah, except forgive them for their sin. I don't know. Christians are always asking to be forgiven for their sins. So one last I guess time. that's. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try this one last time before it's over. <laughs> I love that I thought you said Miranda rights. <laughs> Is he arrested? No, he just got out of a coma. What crime could he have committed in a coma? <laughs> um, okay, so generally, would you would you recommend this movie? Yes. I, Me too. It tells the story, and it builds characters, and it does the job. Something that... I thought was funny that someone told me is because you know we reviewed this movie to celebrate Nikki Lauda who's like the greatest like well he's one of the greatest F1 drivers period but for sure like the greatest Austrian F1 drivers so it was appropriate to do it before the Austrian Grand Prix but um someone told me Nikki is the most German non-German person ever yes and I'm like, I was yes. Like, seriously? Yeah. Like, okay, because, you know, we were talking about Austrians before, like, in a previous episode, where, like, Toto Wolf, Arnold Schwarzenegger, 
Captain Von Trapp. Like, those are Austrians. Nikki. And then you have Nikki. Yes. Very disciplined. What is this? Very yeah. regimented. Very German. You know, Nikki has his own type of kind of like charm or likability, but it's certainly not. It's not like Toto or Arnold charm, you know? Like, no, it's very different. He also looks even, different. He's not a massive bodybuilder. He's yeah, no. Quite the opposite. Yeah, apparently his nickname was Super Rat. <laughs> <laughs> and but now I'm just wondering like is he kind of more your typical Austrian and then like Toto and Arnold are more the outliers? Who's the real Austrian? <laughs> Yeah, no, I would have, there's no way everyone in Austria is Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we know about it by now. We've been derailed. Yeah, that wraps up our review of Rush and a lot of other Formula One stuff. (laughs) This week we're in Austria again, but this time it is for the Austrian GP rather than the Styrian GP. And we will be at the Red Bull ring. I am making apple strudel. And Hannah is going to eat katsu. Katsu don, but it's katsu don, which is even more. It's like chicken katsu on top of like some sort of rice bowl situation, and it's inspired by the Honda racing team. I think like one of their like chief engineers or something was eating katsu don and said it's like their pre-race lucky meal, which really worked for the Styrian Grand Prix, and so he ate it again and posted it on Instagram. So yep. I'm going to go order that. It's basically Japanese schnitzel. So it's yes. still it's culturally. Still, yeah. It's all related because basically it's Japanese Austrian food. And it's the Red Bull Honda partnership that is its very last season for. Like they're yeah. not coming back. So we need to celebrate Honda. Yeah. Um, we'll see you on Sunday. And um, box, box. <laughs> Box, box.